Welcome to What Do You Think? I'm Al. I'm C. And today we are reviewing Hulu's newest uh, film on their service, a horror film. Hulu's been on a freaking roll lately. Like, they're low-key the, the best uh, streaming service in terms of content. Their user experience is dog shit, but... <laughs> yeah. and, and their ads are annoying as fuck, but yeah. the content is good. That content be good, though. I, I, um, I think no, a lot of it... Yeah. I think a lot of it has to do with that basically everything FX makes goes straight to them now. Yeah, so and FX I think says after the shield they stepped it up. Yeah, dude, no, it's really good. But in this case, this is actually uh, Hulu's uh, second big franchise movie. Yeah. Uh, after you know they they've done a or they've uh, they've shown a Predator movie. Now they've jumped into another very famous franchise, a horror franchise called Hellraiser. This is the long-awaited hellraiser reboot that's been in the works since like 2011 no well because since 20 since 2009 and what's funny is since this long-awaited hellraiser reboot kept the really shitty sequels that were still made like going like every time a shitty sequel was made it'd get a touch of buzz because they're like it would just be like the announcement of no this isn't the reboot we've been waiting for it's shit because doesn't Hellraiser, outside of uh, Friday the 13th, Hellraiser has a pretty bad bad reputation of having, outside of the first two, some of the worst sequels after that, right? So let's uh, let's actually, that was going to be my opening question for you, C. Okay, yeah. Um, outside of, I, I think anybody who's, you know, called themselves a fan of horror or, you know, how, how would I phrase this? How did I first hear about Hellraiser? Is that what you're asking? No, because uh, basically the thing is, is that like uh, in the in the 80s, Clive Barker was like the new big thing of horror. Right. Mm -hmm. It was a new big thing of horror. And in the 80s, in the 80s and early 90s, he had two films, one that he actually directed and one that was uh, adaptation of a short story of his uh, release that did gangbusters with audiences. Uh, the film he directed was Hellraiser, which was also an adaptation of a novella he wrote. And then the other movie was uh, 1992's uh, Candyman. So that made him the the talk of the town. And for most people who are into movies, if they know anything about Clive Barker at all, it's that, oh, the guy who created Hellraiser and wrote the wrote uh, Candyman. Yeah. So I guess my question for you then, C, would be like... Uh, because I I can already, I already know you've seen the original Candyman, yeah, um, yeah. but did you did you watch Hellraiser? Was that something you ever saw? And if you did see the original Hellraiser, did you see any of the sequels? So here's okay. This is a I'll keep this story as short and sweet as possible, or as condensed as possible. But my developing understanding of Hellraiser accidentally, like built over years. Um, so for the record. I saw the first Hellraiser movie during a break from one of my breaks from college. Um, I don't remember which break it was, whether it was summer or whether it was, you know, fall break. I, I, I don't remember, but that's when I finally saw the movie. And at that point I well knew what Hellraiser was, who Pinhead was. I just hadn't bothered to see it. And then I think, one night I was like, oh yeah, that's like the other, one of the other big horror movies. Cause I made it a goal to see the first of every one of those, but I had, at that point I still hadn't, but I decided, oh, let me check off Hellraiser. 
and I check it out and I was genuinely impressed by its effects and it's because it's got some great practical effects. No one's denying that. And it's a genuinely freaky, over-the-top gore fest that works solely because of one interesting little premise. Not even premise. One interesting... I'll put it this way. This was the first of the franchise horror movies I saw where it was just about bad people. Like, bad people were the leads, for the most part. There was one good person, but they were all just bad people. So you almost, like, you weren't rooting for this for the Cenobites, but, like, it helped that these people were not good folks, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So I see the first one, but then when I finish it, I'm like, why does this feel familiar? So then let's go way back. When I was in middle school, I think fifth grade, I had a friend who our dads were pretty, we realized our dads were pretty relaxed about movies that we were allowed to watch. Um, Like, I I think I've told you many times, my dad let me watch Hellraiser when I was, not Hellraiser, let me watch um, The Exorcist when I was either nine or ten. A number of, like... The bandwidth for what my dad would let me watch was much wider than most. And same with this other kid. So we used to talk about, like, oh, the crazy stuff that we got to watch. Uh, Because it was, like, just our way of, like, separating ourselves from the other kids, I guess. We thought we were cool. And he mentioned two movies that his dad let him watch. Which, looking back, I'm like, wow, that's pretty intense for, you know a middle schooler to be allowed to watch. One was Event Horizon, and the other was Hellraiser. Um, and I didn't realize he was talking about Hellraiser. Like, I didn't realize that that's the movie he was talking about until I saw it. So I just had this weird, like, deja vu, sort of not really deja vu moment after I saw the movie, because I remember there's a moment that my grade school friend explained that like, and then he said, and Jesus wept and he got ripped apart to shreds. And I'm like, what? Like that blew my middle school brain away. <laughs> like I couldn't process that. It's like, what? How does that even, how does a movie do that? And then I see it and I'm like, oh, oh, right. Oh my God. So that was kind of a weird moment. The only other connection to Hellraiser I have is I remember visually understanding who Pinhead was when I was like in eighth grade and I was at a spirit Halloween store and I was trying to put my costume together and I looked up and I saw a pinhead mask next to Jason and all that. And some, I heard some worker say, it's like, Oh yeah, that's pinhead. And that's all I remember. So that's how the vision, I got the visual of it. And I always thought it was a very freaky visual because I looked at him and all the others, they were like, they weren't, they were clearly like monsters in their own way. But Hellraiser, while a monster, he had such a blank face except for the pins. It was a little weird. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, you asked if I have seen the sequels. I have seen some of the sequels. Um, I saw the second one, which is, it's not nearly as good, but it's got some good moments. Everyone calls that the last good one. Everyone calls it the last good one. And it's, in itself, is just okay. It's fine. It's it's basically yeah it's the last good one, but it's really nowhere near. I know Clive Barker said like, oh he considers it the a genuine part two to it. I, I I'm not gonna go that far. I don't think it really is. Um, but it it's it's got some really cool moments and it builds on the lore very well. 
but then like the ending just completely slips on its ass and falls apart. Um, and then the only other one I saw out of just sheer interest was the one in space with Adam Scott. I had to, I had to know what that was about. Um, I had to know. And I also think I saw a clip of that at one point, a few years before I saw any of the other Hellraiser movies, but maybe not. Um, but I had, once I heard there was Hellraiser in space, I'm like, I just need to know what happens in this. <laughs> I need to know. And let me be clear. It's not good, but that was like, that one I, I could tell was trying to be something because it went like way into the past and way into the future and in the present badly. So you could tell it was trying to be original, but it just, it, the acting was so bad and just no, so many reasons no, because um, it was trying to suggest that like all of Hellraiser was connected to one family line, but that also doesn't really make sense. Um, so yeah, that's my experience with Hellraiser. So when I heard there was a remake coming out, which I heard back when back when there was remember. I don't know if you remember this, but when Hellraiser was announced for a remake, all the others got announced for remakes, and we only got some of them. Um, so that's when I first heard about it. Having had that long-winded response, Al, what's been your experience with Hellraiser? All right. So, um, like, I'll, I'll start off what was my experience with Clive Barker, which was uh, I saw Candyman. I really liked it. And... Um, when I was, I, I had just turned 18 in my last year, or my senior year of high school. And I was talking not with my school librarian, but with my, with my, you know, public librarian, the, the, the you know, the, you know, the library, the public library for the town. Mm -hmm. And we were talking and she goes like, I was telling her like, oh, I want to read more horror, horror fiction. Mm -hmm. And she's like, well, do you like Clive Barker? I'm like, who's that? And she's like, oh, uh, his stories got turned into Candyman and Hellraiser. And I was like, oh, uh, sure, I'll I'll give him a read. And she told me like, oh yeah, Stephen King really likes him. And I was I was in a Stephen King kick at the time. I said, mm -hmm. oh yeah, I'll definitely read it. And she, you know, she got me the anthology book that had a uh, that had a uh, Candyman in it. And she gave me the novella that was that was the source of of Hellraiser, which was called um, something the the heart something I, I can't remember. Yeah, it's a completely different name. I know yeah. That. Um. So uh, when I read that novel, because it's not it's not a long novel, you can finish it in like two days, mm -hmm. um, and that's reading slow. Mm -hmm. Um, when I was reading it, the first thing that goes through my mind is that like. The first thing that goes to my mind is like, wow, this is really sexual. <laughs> and that's kind of Clive Barker's MO is like horror, gory, and very sexual. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so it's very sexual. And I, I said, this is more about this guy who wants to kill people to escape these monsters. Mm -hmm. And not the monsters, which is what I was expecting. But the thing that kind of threw me off was that the little I knew about Hellraiser is that like, okay... The monster's called Pinhead. And in the short story, I was expecting him to be the leader of the Cenobites. Mm -hmm. He's just kind of there. The leader is actually uh, Butterball, the fat one. 
in the, really? in, the, in the story. Yeah, he's the leader. He's the one who that. does most. He's the one who does most of the talking. Mm. And I read it, and I realized uh, Clive Barker isn't really for me. Uh, I like Candyman, but you know, I, I I have no desire to keep reading his stuff, or it never. There was never this curiosity to see the movies that he either were adaptations of his work or he worked on. Um, so fast forward to my senior year of college. Um, and I'm just looking for something to watch and, you know, Hellraiser pops up. Um, uh, and I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll give it a watch. Uh, I wasn't really in, like, I knew what to expect. Right. Mm-hmm. I was like, I know the story. Um, let me give it a watch. And I watched it and I thought, okay, so the big change is that it's Pinhead that's the leader, not Butterball. But I watched it and I was like, wow, this is really gory. Like, this is gory and the practical effects are really, really well done. Oh, yeah. I was really into it. Like, I really like this idea of, like, and the book covers this, but it's just, you know how, like, there's an idea you read and you're like, eh, whatever. But when you see it visually, you're like, oh, this is actually really interesting. In this case, it was like, oh, this woman's killing this abomination that's trying to become human again. And just seeing it in live action, even though obviously it's all special effects, you're like, wow, that's 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 really compelling and really scary and really fucked up. Well, that's its own, that that prim, that part of the movie is it's, could be could have been its own movie too. Yeah, um, and you know, I wasn't, you know. I remember being very disappointed that the Cenobites aren't really in this a lot in the, in the, uh, in the novel, but, and and they're not in, in it a lot in the, in the movie, but you're still like, Oh, okay. This is, uh, the, 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 like, like it's made up for the fact that like Tommy, the, 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 the lead character and the antagonist, he's just, like he's horrifying to look at. So mm-hmm. while you don't get a lot of Cenobites, you're still like freaked out over the things you are seeing, mm-hmm. which again, I'm like, oh, uh, that's disgusting. And uh, I'm probably uh, traumatized for the rest of my life. <laughs> a yep. little exaggeration. So, But it was gross. It was yeah, it was gross, but I really liked it. And I told people like, hey, yeah, the first Hellraiser, you should watch it. And then... Some months later, I decided to see the second one and I was like, oh, it's not as good, but it's, you know, it is what it is. Uh, I don't remember watching the third one, but I knew the reputation that every the other Hellraisers were like straight to DVD. Mm-hmm. Like they're not good quality, so I never got around to watching them. Uh, I did see though. I did see Hellworld, only because it had Henry Cavill in it. I was like, "Oh, this has Wait, Henry." There, Henry Cavill's in one of them. Yeah, he's in Hellworld. It was the one that came out in like 2005. Huh. And who would have thought? Yeah, and I remember uh, Scott Derrickson, the director of The Black Phone. Mm-hmm. He directed one. He directed Inferno. That's right. He did direct one. I never saw that one. So the only one I've, the only other one I've saw was Hellworld, which has Henry Cavill in it. So I've seen one and two in Hellworld. Okay. Um, but my interest for this film wasn't because like I'm a Hellraiser fan. I mean, I mm-hmm. like I like the first one. Uh, yeah. But and but I was interested in this because the director who signed on to do this reboot, mm-hmm. uh, David Bruckner. So 
Most people probably have no idea who David Bruckner is. Bruckner is. Yeah. He was one of the filmmakers behind the original VHS anthology. He directed the siren segment. Uh, see, do you remember? Do you remember? Uh, it's 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 one of the best ones. Yeah, he. We everyone always says that the best segment in VHS is Siren, which he directed. I really liked that. So I didn't care for the other ones on VHS, but that one I really liked. I thought it was really interesting. <laughs> imagine my imagine how disappointed I was when I saw the feature adaptation of that short, and he did, he only helped produce and write it. He didn't yeah. direct it, and it shows. You can tell, yeah. Oh my god, it's it's not great. The ending's pretty messed up, but it's not great. Yeah. Um, and I didn't hear anything about him until Netflix bought the streaming rights to The Ritual, which was his 2018 outing. Mm-hmm. And I, I remember I saw that one night on my own when you know I was alone in my apartment. I was like, I want to see a movie. The Ritual had come out. I watched it and I Oof. really, really liked it. I was terrified, but I really liked it. So, wow, this is really well done. The character work is great. The scares are amazing. Like, that was the movie I was telling people to watch. Like, if you want good horror, watch The Ritual on Netflix. Although I think that was also the same year Hereditary came out. Yeah, so I think people forgot. Not forgot, but it got under. Yeah. It got swept through. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, when I, then, uh, last year, I think, or two years ago, last year, he directed the night house with Rebecca Hall, Holy, which I had no, I had no idea was a David Bruckner project until like the credits when the credits or when it said directed by David Bruckner, I was like, I remember I turned to the friend we were watching it with. I said, Oh, this is going to be a good horror movie. And it really was. I I really, really enjoyed that. You, you walked out. I remember we, you, our other friend and I walked out of the movie theater and it's like you, I remember you said, I need to sit down. It's like you, that movie really got in your head because like it made you afraid of negative space. Yeah. Well, it was, it, yeah that movie was really something it was a really cool that was and for the record folks if you haven't seen that movie go check out the night house yeah so when i found out like oh hellraiser is being directed by david bruckner and his writing partners in night house helped write this i was uh, like hell yeah i was like well yeah i'm gonna watch it and you know i was really interested to see like is this gonna go more the clive barker uh continuity because Clive Barker actually wrote a sequel to his original novella in like 2015 called The Scarlet Gospels, mm. where where the, the thing that made that book so uh, famous was that it was going to finally reveal Pinhead's name, which mm. was pretty much Hellpriest. His, his official name is Hellpriest. I'm okay. like, really? really, Clive Barker? Really? You, you tease this for decades and it's Hellpriest? Whatever. First of all, not Jesus. No, I'm just kidding. Or, <laughs> uh, but, Ju- or if they revealed it was Judas, that'd be interesting. I don't yeah. know. Um, but basically, that was like Clive Barker's official like continuity of like, what are the Cenobites? They're a type of demon in hell, blah, 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 blah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Or was it going to follow the movie continuities and the comic continuities where the Cenobites are like these extra dimensional beings who have a god called Leviathan, like... Mm-hmm. Uh, which in the second movie you see and it's like this weird like like just it's basically the shape which i remember when i saw it, i was like it's just a shape but then like i was like oh it's very lovecraftian where it's like it's you don't think it's alive but it's alive but you can't perceive it as alive anyway mm-hmm. anyway um so i was wondering i where forgot th- there were hellraiser comics damn 
like so i was always wondering like okay what continuity is this new hellraiser reboot gonna take so yeah um now see before we give our thoughts and review on the film how about we watch the trailer for hellraiser yes which some something i gotta say that i give this movie credit or the marketing team credit is that they fully embrace like christopher young's original uh, soundtrack, his original score. Oh, throughout the movie too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I what I really like is like, you know, it's, it's, it's very much a soundtrack that you wouldn't think is a horror movie soundtrack because there's no synthesizers. It's very classical, but mm-hmm. I don't know. I just think it works. So anyway, here's the trailer. Beautiful, isn't it? It's really nice. You can hold it. What is it? It's a puzzle. And it's almost finished. Keep going. So if I solve it, do I get a prize? I do. Six sides, six configurations. It opens up and it cuts you. And then they come to collect. thoughts on the film okay well right off the bat um i gotta give credit where credit's due the actress that plays pinhead holy shit she fucking delivers like i can't say that enough she i i really wished she was in the movie more i understand what they were trying to do and why they didn't have her in it as much or uh, like a bunch, but she she understood the assignment to put it plainly. She really delivered. She. I'm trying to put I, it. Al- I just want to say that my own personal theories why she isn't isn't in the, this a lot. So, see, you may not believe this, but this is actually the lowest budgeted. Outside of the Siren movie, this is the lowest budgeted project David Bruckner's worked on. No, I believe it. I can so maybe not the lowest budget, but I didn't believe so, that. So, but I, so I did believe I, I a little a, bit of that. I think a chunk of it went to makeup, and it's like, oh, well, we can't, we can't, we can't have you on screen a lot because we don't have a lot of money for the makeup. But you know, that's just my that theory. Might have, 
and that make that makes sense. And the makeup, by the way, the the designs for the Cenobites. See what I okay. Speaking solely about the 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 lead monsters, the Cenobites, Pinhead, and the others that were there. It was ex- the design they took them is precisely where they should have gone. Like it was. Like not not like I'm saying I imagine it's what I imagined, but somehow they managed to get exactly the next evolutionary step of the way they needed to look. I don't know how they nailed that, but they really did. Well, they they really followed closely to the original. So so the thing about Clive Barker and why why I wasn't a big fan of his when I read his his book that Hellraiser is based on. He can get really graphic in describing the Cenobites. Mm-hmm. And it, you know, they, they're basically basically in the nicest way possible, they're they're naked, skinless things, you know. Um, and their flesh has been turned into their own. Garbs. Yeah, and they're covered in like crazy things. Like like it can get a little nauseating the way he just because he describes them with a lot of detail. Mm. And I immediately when the Cenobites show up on screen in this reboot, I was like, oh, they pretty much nailed they, it. They pretty much nailed what Clive Barker was describing in the original in the original book. Uh, the only thing the only thing they did was that. So in the book, like all their like pins and needles and everything that's like inside of them is jewel encrusted. Mm-hmm. Um, and in Hellraiser, the movie, it they're not. And yeah. Clyde Barker talked about like, well, you know, Pinhead's supposed to have like diamonds at the end of every pin, but that proved like expensive for makeup. So we just had them be regular pins. Mm-hmm. And it's such an iconic look that you can't I, get rid of it. Yeah, I can totally see David Bruckner saying like, I want to get as close as possible to the to the Clive Barker original idea. But obviously, you know, we're, we're still going to keep the aesthetic as close as possible to the original films. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that I really appreciated was that uh, so in the novel, uh, when when he gets around to describing the Cenobite that would become Pinhead, uh, he pretty much seems to be describing um, something that you could you would be like, oh, it's feminine but not really. Right. Mm-hmm. And I feel like casting, casting a woman, uh, a transgender woman at that as, as pinhead is much more closer to the original idea of what pinhead was supposed to be than casting like a cisgender male or, or a transgender male. Uh, you get that femininity in terms of kind of their, their face and the way they sound, but obviously they're so alien and so messed up that, that you like the Cenobites be, like be, like yeah. yeah like I never for I, I I don't know if this is sounds weird or not but I never for once thought Pinhead is a woman or that Pinhead no, was no, a I, man I, I didn't get that at all I'm not I'm not uh, my thing is is like that, like like you know I was like oh because I remember Cenob- when they announced that it was an actress playing Pinhead and like 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 pinhead like you wouldn't call it a she or a he they have no gender yeah they have no gender they lost their gender they lost their sex literally um, in some and, ways, and it's yeah. closer to the book because it makes them all that more alien where you're mm-hmm. like 
I don't know if I'm looking at it at a chick or a dude. You're like, no, you're looking at an abomination. Yeah, you're looking at you're looking at something that doesn't have its flesh on its goddamn body. Yeah, let's and, be more clear. Listen, it it's not something I enjoy reading or being a fan of, right? Mm-hmm. Like I, I was like, oh, this is a little much. But you know, being like, well, this is Clive Barker's original idea of the Cenobites, and I'm like, I'm really glad that. That the filmmakers were like, let's get as close as possible to what Clive Barker wanted these things to look like. And they right? did. Yeah, they really did. And with such a small budget, too, dude. Yeah. Like, so, but my thing is, so she nails the subtlety oh yeah. Oh yeah. so well. Just the, and, and I understand, like the original, they had to, they adjusted, they adjusted her voice to be more not human. I, I get that. Like they did that with the original Hellraiser as well, less so, but they did it a little bit. Um, so this, it's just there was something to the voice in this pinhead that was so simultaneously grating and soothing that it just it was real weird. It you actually you know what it you know what it was if. It sounded more like some sort of weird instrument was talking rather than a person, if that makes sense. Yeah. But I don't want to say it was like an electric guitar because then that makes you think of those like people who use the electric guitars to talk. It didn't mm-hmm. sound like that. It just sounded like some weird stringed, metal stringed instrument speaking. And it was just so like you wanted more of it. And like so that's why I was a little mad that like, and I think you make a good point as to why, but it's like the Cenobite, we only see the Cenobites for honestly a fourth, I'd say. Maybe a little more than a yeah. fourth of the movie. But like we don't see them a lot. And I think you bring up a good point as to why, but that still doesn't take away from the fact that, you know, if this is a Hellraiser movie, you really want to, especially one where like we all know at this point what they are. Like the first movie got away with not having them as much because it's like, a, you had a whole body horror sequence with the guy being reformed, and B, you no one knew what they were, so you got away with it. Here we well we're well aware, or at least a lot of people are. But that being said, all the moments with the Cenobites were great. Um, I liked the subtle what, and keep in mind, I've never read the books, so what I perceived as subtle changes really worked. Now, if this ends up being closer to the original story, all the better. But I liked that the the puzzle box played more of an interesting role in the movie as a whole rather than the original the original it's you open it up and they come and get you like that's that's really it and there's some yeah. vague mystery yeah. behind they, it uh, they so kind of before where i was saying like i want to know if this reboot was going to follow the canon or the rules of the movie's comic books or if it was going to go back to what Clive Barker elaborated on in the Scarlet Gospels. And honestly, no, it doesn't do either. It basically picks and chooses from the different continuities of Hellraiser. Like and, all three. And, yeah. and, then, and then adds in its own like rules. Uh, but the rules, for the most part, work well enough. I think. Yeah, the, the, biggest, the biggest change they make um, is that the... the what's it called the box the puzzle box i always forget what the name of the puzzle box the pus- is. 
the the puzzle box. Yeah. So so in the in, in the original two continuities, basically you solve the puzzle box, they come and get you. In this one, uh, the the puzzle box has uh, six stages, and six stages, and you have to sacrifice uh, people to it in order to get to the last stage where where you'll meet uh, the Cenobites and their god. And you'll, uh, you'll have a wish fulfilled, one of five yeah. wishes. So the, and, and one of the reasons why I think they did this change was because you're like, well, we, we want an excuse that you'll get the Cenobites more than once a movie. So now you, by, by minimum, you have them pop up like five times. And so you, so by minimum, you'll have five Cenobite kills. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, I... I'll get into my thoughts on that big rule change later. Mm-hmm. Uh, continue with your thoughts, see. So, now I know it seems like I'm gushing over this movie, but I'll get to it. Um, see, I liked I liked most of the rule changes, and I liked that they gave the puzzle box more importance. I also thought it was interesting that they, the movie actually acknowledges another huge plot hole with the original Hellraiser movies, and that is like, Oh wow, this puzzle box is like the easiest fucking thing to figure out ever. Like so conveniently. It's like everyone gets it in just a few minutes. Like every protagonist in all the movies, they do like two things and they open it and that's that. I like that it's so almost because it has different stages, it wants to be opened so and it wants to be fed, so to speak, because it has almost a del Toro-esque from Kronos blood seeking thing. So like they, they, instead of saying that like, Oh, it's really easy. They said, no, it wants to be opened. It wants to be explored. That gave it a little bit more interesting power, so to speak. Um, to this. So that's what I really liked. Anything related to the lore or the Cenobites specifically, I thought was really enhanced and done exactly the way one would want it. Mm-hmm. Um, I I think I know where you're gonna go next. So just let me give me my sure positives. Give you and your positive. Give us your positives. I, I I'm almost certain you and I are gonna have the same complaints. So, almost give, certain. Give give us your positives. Okay. So, um, like we talked about earlier, I really appreciated that the Cenobites are closer to how Clive Barker described them. Um, I think, you know with the advancements like and what you can do with uh with uh, special effects with makeup i think i think it was a perfect time to really show you like how fucked up clive barker's imagination could be mm-hmm. um jamie what's her name jamie clayton the actress who plays uh, pinhead or as it's credited here the priest mm-hmm. blows it out of the park really yeah. really captured that off like inhuman aloofness that really is what differentiates um, Pinhead from someone like Michael Myers or because, because here's the thing Pinhead isn't malevolent. Pinhead's like, hey, you solved, you solved the puzzle where we come to collect is it is what it is. You know, like, yeah. like he, like obviously in later, well in hell world, he very obviously becomes kind of a twirling mustache villain. And I'm assuming that's true for the rest of the straight to DVD movies. I but, believe but, so, but yeah. in the first two movies, he definitely was just this, this detached 
demon who was like, hey, you solved the box? We come and get you. Mm -hmm. And Jamie Lane really encapsulates that, but also brought in an element of like, like in the original movies I've seen, Pinhead never seemed to care or have any curiosity about humans. Just wanted to kill him. In this movie, I really got the sense that Pinhead was had a curiosity about humanity. Like, huh, interesting. Like, would he, would engage with them, would engage with the victims. Um, in fact, the first scene where we see Pinhead, like, for real, uh, Pinhead's talking to a victim and, you know, being sufficiently scary and demonic and alien. And it works really well. And at least in the movies I've seen that we never really got that side of Pinhead. Mm -hmm. um, so I really appreciated that. Uh, I really liked that. While I was disappointed that we didn't get the revamps of some classic, uh, some classic Cenobites, especially mm -hmm. in the in the first film, like we we, mm -hmm. we don't get a revamped uh, Butterball, and we don't get a revamped uh, woman Cenobite, quote unquote. But we get a revamped Chatter, or uh, yeah, we clicker. get a yeah, we no, get a revamped. Clicker. We get a revamped Chatterer. Yeah. And uh, we're introduced to like new variants of Cenobite. We get the Weeper, we get the Asphyx, we get. We um, might get the woman actually. The well, maybe I don't know. Never mind. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, and then like there's like a we get the mask, uh, one that's called the mask, and then there's a that flash one was of freaky. <laughs> there's a flash of one that's like, wait, is that a pregnant Cenobite? But we only ever see them for a flash. I was I was really interested to know like why they only showed it that one once. Um, but yeah, I really like that they're like okay. Uh, we're not going to have all the uh, oldies or all the ones people are expecting. We're going to create new ones. And they were sufficiently, like, fucked up. Like, no, there's a few new ones that really yeah. ugh, make ugh. you want to gag. Yeah, it's like, like, oh, that's 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 disgusting. Um, I really like the design of the puzzle box, like like you mentioned yeah. earlier. Like, yeah, I, I could not pin pin, like, what that puzzle box reminded me of, but you're right. It reminded me of the the device in Kronos, um, and later on in Hellboy and the Golden Army. Yeah. It's very, very gear like and mechanical with hidden blades and things like that. I, I uh, yeah. Go on. I also really liked how the because listen, Hellworld was not a competently shot film. No one's suggesting it is. Yeah, the the only the first two Hellraisers are like competently shot. And don't look like they they belong like in a Z movie film festival. Mm -hmm. This film is very well shot, competently directed. Everything about it is is the professional quality you expect in a in a Hollywood horror movie. You know, yes, this thing has a tiny budget compared to like this has a smaller budget than something like uh, like Smile um, or Barbarian. But you know That's what? That's weird to think about. But but you know what it. You know, it still looks like a film where you're like, okay, this is competently made. Like, like the quality control is there in terms mm -hmm. of the technical aspects, right? Mm -hmm. Like, you never for a second look at a Cenobite and it's like, oh, that's just someone in makeup. No, like, you like, don't like, go there. You really don't get that. And there aren't a lot of, like, CGI effects, but when they do pop up, you're never like, oh, that looks like a video game cutscene. I really appreciated that because this, this franchise is infamous for just bad 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 like micro budget filmmaking where yeah. you're like you see you see the you see the 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 boom you see the you see like 
really bad CGI. Like the, yeah. the blood looks fake. Everything here looks competent and professional. And I really appreciated that. Yeah. Um, and I would hope that if Hulu and 20th Century Studios are going to continue making Hellraiser movies that listen, if they're not going to give it giant budgets at the very least, make sure that it is of the quality of this one in terms of like competence in terms yeah. of the technical aspects, because like nobody wants to see a horror movie and be like, Oh my God, this is just so horribly shot. Everything's underexposed. Um, yeah. I, I can tell they're in a set in a, like they're in a set in like, uh, uh, I, I can't even think of like where, where, where would be like the worst set like like they're like in a Russian went set to, or something. They went to Eastern Europe because they could get a castle, but man, there's no there's no fucking outlets in this castle. It well, feels like one of those. You know what's funny? See, they saw they shot this in Serbia. That's actually not surprising even a little bit, but okay. But but you know what? Like they they the way it looks doesn't look like it was shot in Serbia. No no no, it doesn't. But yeah. well, it's, well, yeah, it does. You're right. It doesn't look like that. Okay. Um, so yeah. The thing you didn't like, see, and the thing <sighs> I didn't like. Let me guess. Let me guess. Let me guess. I'm, I'm gonna okay. do. I'm gonna do. I get one shot. Okay. The acting. So let me be clear. As we've stated, outside of the actress who played Pinhead, Jamie we're not, Clayton. Outside of so let me be clear. As we've said, Jamie Clayton's performance was amazing. Okay. Everyone else, not great. Just not good. Just really bad. Well, okay, no, no, I shouldn't be mean. Really just bad, bad acting with some really shitty dialogue at times, unfortunately. Shitty dialogue, dude. No, the, sh really the dialogue shitty. is... Like, at first I was like, oh, they're honoring the Hellraiser franchise by giving us the same quality of dialogue. Like, if there's one thing I remember about oh, Hellworld was I was like, wait, is, it, is Henry Cavill a bad actor? And I'm like, oh, no, he's just reading really shitty lines. And like, uh, that, was, yeah. that was the thing that, like, really bummed me out as I was watching this. I, I was like, okay. The the filmmake the technical filmmaking is well done. Yeah. Um, Jamie Clayton is doing a bang up job as Pinhead. Oh yeah. Why is the writing and acting so bad? And here's the thing: it's not even the concepts that are bad; it's the individual scenes that are bad. Oh my you god. You could. So here's the thing: from the moment when so, can can I spoil a few things? I mean. Like, no, I won't. I won't. Okay. There, there's a way. there's a big twist. There's like, there's like a a twist. It's not a big twist, but it's like, it's like enough that you're like, okay. I, if we tell you the twist, you're gonna know how the you're you're gonna have an idea of how this is gonna yeah. end. So I won't give that away. But what I will say is, so there's a moment from when they go. Let's put it this way. From when they go from where, so the movie takes place is divided into two parts. One where it takes place in this in the city they're in, and then the other takes place at one singular location. I right? think the city's supposed to be Boston. 
It does. It looks like they shot it in Europe, by the way. No, no, it does. Didn't, it does. Didn't look like Boston. I was like, I was like, that's all. that's not Boston. No, I thought they were. I literally was expecting a throwaway a throwaway line where they were some weird exchange students. It's like, or they were they were American exchange students in Europe. It's like this is not America. Yeah, because when it when it goes America like when it goes like Massachusetts, I'm like it's like bullshit. <laughs> I'm like that's not Massachusetts. Where the you you. I'm trying to, I, I, there's a, there's like a very specific house that you only find in New England. Mm. Like, and it wasn't none the of house that, we, there. that we saw. Oh my gosh. Also- like, like they're, they're supposed to be in Boston. And I'm like, that is not a seaside town because there's like a big, a, almost like a mountain where, where like the second yeah. like big setting takes place, which is like a, a mansion, I guess. Also, you got to remember that the openings, one of the opening scenes in that movie they're not in America. They're in like Serbia. They're, they're in Serbia. They're Serbia. In Serbia. And then here's the funny thing. They then say Boston or they then say Massachusetts. It's like, but it still looks like Serbia. It's like, <laughs> wait a minute. Yeah. Like we haven't left here, but okay. So, but there's a sequence from where they go from quote unquote Massachusetts to the sort of final location. And it's like 20 fucking minutes for that takes from them to get to the city, to the house. And you didn't need any of it. You didn't need any of it. You could have just cut her. She's doing a little drive and she ends up at the final location. Also, I nearly screamed when she goes, the lead character goes to the final location first. And then all the other ones, all the other characters just fucking end up there. Why? So we know why later on, but it's still not well done. Okay. So, so, um, one of, (laughs) one of the things that bugged me about this movie, right. Mm -hmm. Um, was that I, I didn't like the, the new rules. I didn't because I said, okay, this is just a cheap way or, or this is just a cheap way to, to get more Cenobite kills whatever fine 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 do your own thing whatever i get it you want more cenobite kills but what drove me up a wall was that okay you you gotta you gotta get five people cut to figure out the puzzle and get cut by this thing mm-hmm. and like the first <laughs> the first two sacrifices the first the first two victims to get scratched by that thing to get cut by that thing the, mm-hmm. It is so awkwardly done. Mm-hmm. Like, like, like we're talking about someone who like, these are paid screenwriters mm-hmm. and the best way they can get the first two kills is they they're pick like, it up. They, they pick it up uh, in a certain angle or, and they're or, like, Ow. They're, or you have two characters who one knows that the, the puzzle box is dangerous and the other one knows something's fucked up with it. And there's a blade sticking out of it and they're fighting over it. Like, no, give it to me. Give it to me. And I'm like, I'm like the moment that's happened, I was like, some, someone's getting cut. Oh, they got cut. Of course. Mm-hmm. Like it's such cheap writing. It, oh, yeah. Oh my gosh. And then, um, <laughs> it ain't great. It ain't a and great then, moment. and then the, the third sacrifice is like we're just we're gonna do this crazy thing where where they end up getting stabbed by it and i was just rolling my eyes so hard i'm like i'm like really that's what you came up with like we give up just 
stab somebody. And and then the movie, like, for the rest of the sacrifices, they're like, you know what? We're not going to try to find a clever way for them to get cut. We're just going to have people stab them with the puzzle box. Yeah. And it's, it's, so, it, it, it's such indicative of, like, careless writing where, like... Uh, I just I I can't even think of how these writers would have been like, you know what? Fuck it. They just have the characters stab each other with it. That way we get more Cenobites. And I don't I don't know if the acting just made it worse because, um, you know, like in the first two kills, like where there someone picks it up awkwardly mm-hmm. and they get cut. They pick it up. They get cut. They go like, ah. Oh, and the other person goes, you're bleeding. I know. I'll I'll do something about it. And then mm. in the second one, I'm give it to me. Give it to me. And it's so unconvincing that they're fighting over the puzzle box. Then mm. when they go like, oh, I'm cut now. I'm like, oh, really? I, I, it seems to me that like you just you're, you're not. The acting was so subpar that because and again, this is a character this is a situation where people know that something's wrong with the box and they mm-hmm. go like, I'm cut. Oh, I guess I deserved it. Yeah. I guess, and it's so I guess bad. my flesh is going to be ripped off my body. It's so <laughs> bad. And so out. So I know you say that Jamie Clayton is really good as pinhead. She is. There is for me, there's only one other performer, one other actor who does a good job. That's uh, Goran Vizinic. He's a Croatian American actor. He played uh he played the character Voight. Um he's the one in the trailer who goes like I get a prize. Oh yeah. He's popped up in a bunch of movies and TV shows. He was in ER. Mm-hmm. Um he was in uh he was in like a bunch of like NBC dramas. Um he was in Beginners actually. Really? Yeah, he played Andy. Oh, he played he that's right. I forgot that. He's in, he, he was His in hair a, was just different. Yeah, he plays, uh, he's in Electra. He plays Mark Miller in Electra. Of course he does. Uh, yeah, so he's in a bunch of stuff, right? So so yeah. he's a journeyman actor, right? Yeah, he knows what he's doing. Yeah, he's the only other actor, and he's not in the movie a lot, unfortunately. But like, that was like, the thing. All the good actors weren't in it a lot. <laughs> yeah, but like, he, outside of Jamie Clayton, he has the hardest job. Because mm-hmm. I'm not gonna say what his role is in the movie, but there are a, there are two sequences where he's gotta be a certain way, mm-hmm. and he sells it for all it's worth. Like mm-hmm. the in fact, again, not going into specifics, but see, I think you're gonna know where I'm going with this. One of the one of his final scenes where he he has to go through something, mm-hmm. and you're watching it all and you and in my mind I'm like oh so that's how that happens and it that that scene has stuck in my head here's like, the thing though I don't think they took that scene far enough we needed to see oh cuz like it's sort of just like it's like they some stuff happens to that some stuff happens let me let me make sure we're talking about the same thing the, the last actual scene yes yes we're yes. talking yes 
I agree. I don't think it went far enough. Like we, I wanted to basically see like it goes through and power is, that's what power is. And it makes sense. But I was like, okay, they're going to keep going. And then they just sort of stop halfway. And it's like, why? It's like, like we needed the full. Yeah. I think, I think because the, the scene stuck with my head, but that's, that's just because I'm like, oh God, it's, it's a really well done scene. It's, I would say it's the second best scene in the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, in terms of scares yeah but you're right it doesn't go far enough but the simple fact that i'm still thinking about it is really a testament to his acting ability mm-hmm. like it really really is now <laughs> everybody else who isn't a cenobite uh holy fuck so the lead the lead we, we haven't even talked about the lead and for good reason the lead is played by this actress named odessa azon her name is riley she is a she is like a, a former addict or like addict in hiding mm-hmm. who's living with her brother Matt, his boyfriend Colin, and this this third roommate Nora, mm-hmm. right? So she she's a bit of a fuck up and she's like dating a bad boy and her brother doesn't approve and that's kind of what starts them down this path where they cross paths with the Cenobites. Mm-hmm. Um so the big thing about Riley's character is that she's an addict and the whole movie is a metaphor for overcoming addiction and learning to deal with the fallout of the pain your addiction has caused. Which I actually, let me be clear, that, I know it technically wasn't the last scene, but let's just say the ending of the story, uh-huh. that moment was actually quite good. I, yes. I, I did, I respected what it did there. I was like, okay, that's interesting. Yeah, interesting. yeah. It basically deals with it. The, the movie's about dealing with addiction mm-hmm. and, the, and the, 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 the collateral damage caused by addiction. Mm-hmm. Now, the thing is, is that like the previous horror movie we saw, Smile, you really believed the vulnerability of, of uh, Susie Bacon's character. In this mm-hmm. movie... I never believe that Riley was like an addict trying to overcome her demons. I was like, you are just an asshole and a whiny asshole at that. Mm. A, a whiny asshole, dumbass who, who purposely fucks up their life. Like she was really unlikable. And I, I didn't like her on two levels. One, the character as written is like just an unlikable addict that you just want to kick out of your house. Second, like, listen, Odessa Azon, like, listen, I'm not an actor. Like, I'll never be a lead in a movie. But, like, I think there's a reason why the only thing she's done besides this was a sitcom that lasted one season in 2019. I didn't even know she did that. She, her acting is so bland and, like, like, not good that it just bugged me every time she was on screen, right? Mm-hmm. Like I never she, so so her big thing is that she immediately figures out that the puzzle box is probably responsible for the inciting or or the puzzle box responsible for her brother disappearing. Her brother mm-hmm. disappears in the movie and she's like, "Oh, this puzzle box must have something to do with it." Mm-hmm. But the way she like talks about it, tries to investigate it, she just comes off as so unlikable and unhinged and like on inauthentic that's the best way to put it she comes off as super inauthentic that's what it is it's an inauthentic performance yeah Yeah. where you're like like you're like i don't believe you and it's not because you're a former addict it's just because 
you come off as somebody who's just saying lines, like just saying the lines and raising their voice, but there's no, nothing really there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then like her, her bad boy boyfriend, lover, whatever, like, so, so his character's written in a way where, where you're like supposed to believe he's like a, a douchey bad boy who's only going to bring like he's the enabler right he's supposed to be the enabler in this metaphor mm-hmm. and instead he just comes off as clueless clueless and well he can't decide if he's a good person or not that's part well, of the well, issue well, well, well here's the thing he like he, well he, i mean that's okay but... he he comes off as he doesn't come off he doesn't come off as bad or good. He just comes off as clueless and like he, he comes off as like a hanger on like, mm. like I'm just supposed to be here, but like, he doesn't even react. He just kind of goes like Riley, that's crazy. Riley, I don't want to touch that. And it's like, like, well, why are you the in characters this scene? Are, Also, all the characters seem to just do that. Riley, you're crazy. That's all they do. Yeah. Yeah, they do. And <laughs> Like, like ultimately what happens to, to mm. the boyfriend, you know, at the end, I'm like, okay, fine, whatever. Um, and then, uh, with, uh, with Colin and Nora, like Colin, you know, the boyfriend of her brother, like he's given more to do, but like, there's no, there's no like through line with his character. Like mm. his boyfriend goes missing. He freaks out for a scene. And then it's almost like, the boyfriend never existed. Like, like he goes from like, what happened to my boyfriend? What happened to Matt? And that's literally one scene. And it's, he doesn't, he doesn't really know how to act like scared or hysterical. He's just, what happened? What happened? Riley, why can't you remember what happened? And then after that, he's just kind of like, Oh, crazy shit's happening. I need to react. Oh, crazy shit's Mm -hmm. happening. I need to react. And again, you never believe it. Like literally, he literally sees a Cenobite and it's like, oh God, I need to walk away from it. And it's like, no, at that point you'd be cowering in fear. Yeah. Like from you whatever never, that is. You never believe he's, he's afraid or you, you're like, okay, are you supposed to go from like grieving boyfriend to like angry, angry friend to like potential victim? Like what's, what's your, what's your emotional through line? And it felt like he didn't have any. And then Nora. Here's the thing. Nora is a complete non-entity until the third act. No, she's a complete (laughs) non-entity until the second act. And she gets Mm. one scene, and it's a Mm. great scene. I think it's the best scene in the movie. Oh, yeah, it's it's a messed up scene. how the fuck do you go from someone who you're like, oh, like, literally, the way they introduce Nora is like, oh, yeah, and Nora. Like, you go, Mm -hmm. like, it goes like, like, I'm the brother. I'm the brother's boyfriend. Oh, and there's Nora. Yeah. <laughs> and, Her, and, and and I just thought of and and there's f- future future meat puppet that's gonna be ripped to shreds. It's like they were setting her up for that. Unfortunately. Hey, here's the thing. Like, she has no development, no personality whatsoever. Like, here's yeah. the thing. I didn't even know fucking Nora was supposed to be British. Oh, I, I only found out she was British because I only found out she was British because uh, the actress Aofi Hines played her with her natural British accent. 
she she has such little lines such little things to do that i didn't even realize she was supposed to be british and literally has nothing to do throughout the entire movie until the second act where where you're like oh okay oh wow oh oh wow that's horrifying and like i and this is the weird thing normally if a character is well written if a character is well written and the relationship is established between them and the rest of the cast, mm-hmm. that would have been a scene where I'd be like, Oh my God, this is so horrible. Not Nora. No, why God, why? And I'm like, <laughs> Jesus. I'm like, and, and I'm like, Oh, well, I guess, I mean, it's fucked up, but I, I fuck. No, like I was like, I, I don't know anything about Nora. <laughs> During that scene, I was like, what's the Cenobite going to say next? <laughs> it's literally yeah. where I was at. I was like, what's she going to do? What's yeah. the Cenobite going to do? Like, like, like the scene implies that Nora's religious. and I'm, But but I'm like, that would have been something you would have established when you introduced us to Nora. Not yeah. here where Nora's going to go bye-bye. Yeah. But oh, I, I just... And, and, and see, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Mm-hmm. I can understand, okay... You have a tiny budget. The best you can do is someone who was insensate as Pinhead and a guy who's always played, oh, it's that guy on TV. Mm-hmm. I And that's all you can afford. So everyone else is like people straight out of acting school, you know, uh, who are willing to spend two months in Serbia and are like, all they've done before is Johnson & Johnson commercials or mm-hmm. sitcoms that got canceled after a season i get that i I get that that's all you got with that's all you most of the money's got to go to the effects i get it i get it but the screenwriting team like the the credited screenwriting team is the team that wrote the night house which was a very very well done character piece as well as a horror movie so the writing has no excuse like the, the this writing is so bad i'm like like on some level, I'm wondering if, if they were like, listen, we're just gonna touch up because again, this movie's been in development since since 2009. I'm wondering if, if they're like, listen, we can only. If the studio was like, listen, touch up the dialogue, you'll get full credit for it because 101 writers worked on this, mm-hmm. but we're not changing the 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 basic narrative. It has to have been that because at this point I'd be like, okay, these guys signed on in 2018, like right off the heels of David Bruckner getting a smash hit on Netflix with the ritual. At that point, I'd be like, listen, let's just do, let's just readapt the original novella. You know, that's, that's a cast of three humans and then a bunch of Cenobites. We can do that. But no, instead they do this where you've got like one, two, one, two, three, four, you got six human speaking parts, mm-hmm. six main cast members, and then like like six Cenobites. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, well, the writing better be good. The, the story better make sense. And on a big scale, the story can make sense. But in the individual, like literally, there's literally a scene where somebody's like, we're going to have a Cenobite walk fast to us to, to trap them. I'm not going to give you the context of what the fuck that means, but it's literally like, let's just have the Cenobite walk fast towards us and we're going to trap it. Mm-hmm. 
And sure, there's a there's an interesting scare there, but you're like somebody was paid good money to write Cenobite walks fast and gets trapped. The fuck? The fuck? Like, ah, uh, I just or or someone gets cut because they're fighting over the puzzle box, mm-hmm. and they literally I'm, I'm gonna reenact the scene for you. No, let go. No, you let go. That- it. it yeah, no, I, I think I think I we under, I understand. I understand. But for me I still had I still with all those flaws, I still at the end of the day liked parts of it. I did. Um so but I also completely validate what you're saying as well. The script was bad. Well, I should say the inner workings of the script were bad. Basic premise was fine because it was the same premise as other Hellraiser movies. Um, and I, like I said, the, the performance from Pinhead was out of this world. Do we want to give it our review? Please continue with your review. Where it works, it shines bright, like one of the pins on its head. <laughs> but where it doesn't, it's unavoidable. One thing I wanted to add, though, because I feel like you're, it's like a good pa- good cop, bad cop situation. I did genuinely like the ending, the lead character, the choice the lead character made at the end. That was, was that was her best acted scene. It was her best acted scene, but I also liked the way Pinhead discussed that and almost respected that choice. It was very interesting to watch. So, oh yeah, that scene was really well done. So it's like you see, I see what this movie really could have been. That 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 scene really. Re- so David Bruckner seems to have this thing where he likes having his characters reflect on kind of their fuck ups, their trauma, and like and try and like mentally or like emotionally come to terms with that. He seems to mm-hmm. he included this in the ritual. It's in uh, the night house, and it's here in Hellraiser. And yeah. like, listen, um, I, I forget the actor who was in the ritual. He was he was the bad guy in like the second um, the second Jurassic World movie. And he's in like hot fuzz. Yeah. But th- that yeah. to me was like a really strong scene. And then the scene in the night house, my, Rebecca Hall knocks it out of the park. It is so yeah, well done. It's, and it's ridiculous. <laughs> this, this actress, Odessa Azon, who or Azion, who I don't think is a good actress, but in that scene, I was like, oh, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe maybe there's an acting talent hidden within you. But it was her best acted scene, and it was her most authentic scene. Mm-hmm. And that's what I found interesting about this movie is there's these, like also, not just the makeup, but the production design was fantastic. Pause when it wanted to be. When it didn't give a shit, it didn't give a shit. But, like, there's a sequence in a car that takes place while something else is going on that is incredibly well done. Um, the final place they end up in for, like, the last act of the movie is really interesting. Just the whole design and idea behind it. It just wasn't properly explored in the way it could have been. Um, it's And then I like the way they included, you know, the the that the millionaire that we were talking about that actor yeah but they again they didn't properly explore it so it's like this movie they it's almost like the director looked at the situation he was in he's like okay i want to do this and i want to do it right 
but I only have the budget, as you said, to do certain things. So I'm going to make sure he understood a Hellraiser movie has to be, has to have these, these things have to be flawless. Well, in that case, I got to let these things falter a little bit. And it was a shame, but it's, it's just, I'm, the movie ended up the way it ended up. And I don't blame the director is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, no, I, I'm convinced David Bruckner, like just, I, I, I just like there are elements in this story where I'm like, yeah, this is something David Bruckner likes to do again. Like having his characters deal with a fuck up or with something wrong in their lives and confronting it and dealing with it. That's, that seems to be a thing he likes to do. Siren, notwithstanding. Mm -hmm. Like, so, so this is a cast of like late twenties to early 30 somethings. And the thing is David Bruckner has always cast people like in their early forties. So I'm wondering if, if maybe he was just not allowed to change the script too much from what it was like when he signed on mm -hmm. and like if that's the case that's such a shame because there's only so much because not that i'm trying to call the screenplay a turd but there's only so much you can do with with like cleaning up and tightening up a script when i really do think that the moment he signed on to this it should have been a page one rewrite yeah and maybe I, the, they weren't letting him do it who knows we don't know yeah that that that's that's the only thing i can think of because again this is a relatively small budget and he does a lot with what he's given. Oh yeah. Um, you know, I just think I just think where it faltered is where you normally would falter in a movie like this. Uh, outside of outside of two characters, it's a bunch of unknowns. Mm -hmm. Bunch of unknowns. That's usually because you don't have enough budget to at least get like good character actors cuz you know they'll they'll always have a higher fee and mm -hmm. um you know, I just I, I guess they wouldn't give him a, a writer's fee. I don't know. I don't know. Um, it ended up. So the, what's your what's your ultimate rating? Say? So it's been actually weirdly hard for me to rate this because it, this isn't a meh for me. It's not. It's not. the The moments this movie shines, it really does shine, as I've said. So I can't give it a meh for that. But like, I can't justify giving this a movie rating either. Because it has such basic elements that don't, it doesn't do right. Yeah. So it's like, it's somewhere in between there. So I say. Is it a meh movie or a movie that's really meh? <laughs> Interesting way to put it. I would say it's the little meh that could. It re you you really see it trying and where it succeeds it really does okay you know what it's closer to because of the parts it did so well which at the end of the day I believe the director understood that these are the mo these are the parts that have to be done right for a Hellraiser movie otherwise I'm fucked it's more of a movie than a meh but it's still the little meh that could it um or uh, it's, you know what? M this movie is like the original puzzle box from Hellraiser. Looks beautiful. You think it's going to be complex and interesting. Turns out it was a little easy. So I think that's a good way to describe it. Where it's I yeah. love how you described it. Um, I, I would say this is 
this is definitely a meh for me, but it's it's a meh that has some pretty flush moments. A meh with some pretty flush moments. Yeah, the, what's um, the actress's name who played Hellraiser or who played Pinhead again? Jamie Clayton. Jamie Clayton just got a great acting reel out of this. <laughs> Yes, she really yes, did. She did. Yes, she listen, did. Listen, she's got some great clips I, that she can I, send and I, be like, "I got this." Her, her pinhead is truer to like. And listen, uh, what's his name? Doug Bradley, I think. Uh, he obviously is like a horror icon. I mean, I I don't like most of the Hellraiser before movies, I, but the back- before I forget, I'm sorry. You know what I realized she would be perfect for. They're remaking Constantine, and they if they need the angel Gabriel, they found her. Oh yeah, that she she would make a really good game. Anyway, I, I think she'd be like, I'm getting typecast as angels and demons. It's like, what does that hey. say about me? It's like, never mind. It's good paying roles. Now, like, like I don't say it a lot, but I really like David Bruckner as a director. When he makes a new film, I get excited because oh, yeah. that's how much I really like The Ritual. I think it was one of my best movies of 2018. Yeah. Um, just obviously because of my ranting on this review. Mm-hmm. You can tell that my disappointment was pretty big yeah. because up until Hellraiser, David Bruckner had not disappointed me. He really hadn't. And here's the thing. It's almost like I, you don't want to believe he disappointed you, though. Yeah, I, I, it's like I don't want to believe. But, I mean, listen, the, the writing is just not good. No, it's not. It's... It really isn't. Uh, and, and the other thing, and listen, it's not a big deal. Horror movies do this all the time. But I don't know. It always gets under my skin when horror movies set up rules and then like and it's always at the climax. It goes like, well, we're, we're breaking the rules. The rules don't count anymore. Mm. And this movie did that a lot and it got under my skin. I There's, you know, the rule and the rules are simple. Like, like if you want to talk to the God of the Cenobites, you got to give six. You got to give five sacrifices and you get the sacrifices by having them solve the puzzle. Mm-hmm. And it's six different puzzles. And the, the thing is, is that like, the thing is, is that at the, at the third act, at the climax, it's like, well, that doesn't matter anymore. And then it brings in this things as like, well, the person who wants to see the God has to choose who dies. And then it's like, throws that out the window and then brings it back. And it's, it, it got under my skin a lot. Um, listen, these people are working actors. I'm really happy for them. But outside of Jamie Clayton and Goran Visnik, these people need more acting classes. Yeah, they really, really they do. do. They do. They really do. There's no way around um, that. I, I have to say, Goran Visnik, like, like, the stuff he was doing really impressed me because, you know, not that I'm saying playing Pinhead is easy, but, you know, Pinhead is this alien demon thing that just has a curiosity over over humans, right? Mm-hmm. So it, it's something that if you can do well, you're going to knock it out of the park. Mm-hmm. Goran Viznik, I'm not going to say why, but he has a lot more interesting things to do, and he does them really, really well. Mm-hmm. But uh, he's also not given that, a lot of that, time to do them. Yeah, he's not given a lot of time to do them. Um, but his final scene really, really stuck with me. Mm-hmm. It really did. And that's why I'm saying this is a mem movie that had some flush moments, because it really did. Uh and they all either have Jamie Clayton or Goran Vizek yeah, or both yeah, of them. Yeah, pretty much. No, there, there is no scene here where I was without those two, either of those two, where I was like, "This is this is a great scene." None. Yeah. None whatsoever. None of that. Yeah. Um, I'm, 
again, I, I'm. Uh, I can. I, I, I said can all, feel. All, I said all I've needed to say. Yeah. I, I, I listen. I'm still excited for the next thing David Bruckner makes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think. I think he uses horror to deal with some thoughtful subjects. And listen, the, this Hellraiser is dealing with drug addiction and the collateral damage that causes to the, the people who love you. Mm-hmm. That's an interesting way to approach a Hellraiser movie. Yeah. The problem is when is that when the dialogue is crap and the actors I will not go as far to say that the actors are crap. It's it's inexperienced actors given bad dialogue. Yeah. yeah. And it's one of those things where I'm like if if a new Hellraiser movie is to be made, and if David Bruckner is like given the keys to the kingdom and said, "Hey, you're going to be our filmmaker who oversees the Hellraiser movies. You don't have to direct them, but you're going to be in charge of producing them." I really, really hope he goes like, "Okay, the second Hellraiser, I'm going to oversee the writing, and I'm going to make sure it is tight, concise, and good writing." Mm-hmm. I really, really hope that because, again. Up until Hellraiser, he had knocked it out of the park for all of the horror movies I've seen him direct. But so yeah, that's like I guess we've said everything yeah. we can say about Hellraiser. Um, Go check it out; it's on been... Hulu, guys. Seriously, actually, if you are a, fa- would you at least agree that if you are a fan of the Hellraiser franchise, you will not be disappointed? I don't think yeah. you will be. Like, like if this wasn't on Hulu, I would be even angrier. Mm-hmm. But, but it was. I, I can't lie. In, like, for instance, the scene that I keep referencing and the, the other scenes that were really good, I really wish I had seen those in a big screen. Mm-hmm. But then the rest of the movie happens and I'm like, I'm really glad I'm watching this in my living room. <laughs> for me, it was like... Because if I had paid money to see this, I'd be pissed. Yeah, yeah can't even lie there. Well, yeah. on that on that note... This, this has been... What do you what think? Do you think? Um, say it. I'm Al. I'm C. We have such sights to show you. Such beautiful sights. Good night, everybody.